We welcome you to the Laurel Heights website and this recording for August the 22nd. You can expect preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture where Jesus Christ is the authority, where we want to be His disciples every day, the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1, verse 29 in just a minute. John chapter 1, verse 29. I'm convinced when I use the Bible to evaluate things that one of the basic problems in our culture is a chronic inability to name what our problem is. Let me say that again. One of the basic problems in our culture is a chronic inability to name what our problem is. We must come to terms with the problem, and that begins by naming what the problem is. As an individual, it is imperative that I discover what my problems are, that I name them, identify them. And when I observe what is happening in the world around me, I need to honestly use the Word of God to identify what's happening and use that terminology. This verse This verse I'm going to read now names the problem, but also announces the solution. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As you listen to that, and as you read those words in your Bible, in John 1.29, isn't it clear this is not something I wrote? This is not something I was coached to say by some form of human wisdom. This is not a poem or saying for the day that I found on social media. This is the Word of God, written by the Apostle John who was reporting what John the Baptist said. Our problem is expressed in one powerful word, sin. God's solution is given Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. He can take away your sin, and he can take away the sin of everybody who knows they have sin and that they want to be rid of it. The gift is offered. We urge people to accept that gift by a response of obedient faith. In our culture today, our chronic inability to name the problem is something we can overcome just as soon as we open the Bible and listen. The paralysis of confusion in the modern world is directly related to our chronic inability to name our problem. If we are weak, if we are hesitant, if we are contradictory about admitting our sin, we cannot be realistic, we cannot define the issues, or find our way. Now, sin is the defiance of God's authority. It is the choice to do your will instead of His. It is our disease in the human race. And Christ is the only specialist who is himself the remedy. Not only must we see this, 
we must help others to see it. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, let me talk to Christians today. We have named the problem. We have come to terms with sin, but hearing, believing, and obeying the gospel is what we did to be forgiven. And then after hearing, believing, and obeying the gospel, after baptism, then we committed to daily discipleship. Are we telling others about this? In that obedience to the gospel that we engaged in, not only did we find forgiveness of sin, we accepted the challenge to share the message with other sinners. We were called out of sin by the gospel, not only for us to find the remedy, but to share it, to reach those still lost. This is why it says of the early Christians in Acts 5.42 that they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Each one of us should be participants in evangelism, not only through means of our collective work, but as individuals. Each one should be a personal evangelist. But we seem to get stuck on the matter of how we do it, or we just can't seem to get started, or we just leave it for others to do. We sort through various methods or approaches that others have used, we search for new ideas in literature, in workbooks, and shortcuts. In some cases, people who have been baptized never even try to teach anybody else. Never even get started. What I want to do this evening is call to our attention the highest resource, the deepest motive, the best example. Let us ask who did this well? As we read the New Testament, what good personal models do we have? As you pursue that thought, I believe it always leads you to the same place, the master teacher, Jesus Christ. So my subject is, how did Jesus reach the lost? We can learn from this how did Jesus reach the lost? First of all, he cared. This is Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I think one problem we have is even when we name the problem correctly, even when we can see the sin all around us in the world, our reaction is often not compassionate. We manage to achieve a level of disgust. And while there should be righteous indignation and abhorrence of sin, but the motive for evangelism is discovered more in compassion than disgust, more in love for the lost than in disdain for them. I've known some people who were very effective as personal evangelists. None of those were acting on the motive of contempt, but on the motive of compassion, caring for people. If that's missing, we will never convert anybody except by accident and in spite of our contempt. 
Jesus perfectly illustrates the essence of good motivation when it comes to reaching the lost. He really cared. It wasn't just a job. It wasn't a matter of achieving some record in numbers of followers. It wasn't any sectarian motive to recruit more for a group. He cared. He saw the sin clearly, but he loved the people and wanted to reach them and teach them and save them. Until we find that kind of motivation, we will never be effective individually or collectively. Look at the people around you who need to be rescued from sin. Think soberly of what will happen to them if they die in sin. Use the Word of God to enable and enliven the best in you in terms of attitude and caring. Jesus really cared about people who were lost, and he is our model. It is in the same context of Matthew 11 where Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. All this speaks to the love, the care Jesus had for sinners. Number two, he taught. Genuine compassion will move us to open our mouths, but what will we say? Well, we will need to speak nothing but the gospel written in the New Testament. Give them that message. The lost need to hear nothing but the New Testament message, the good news. Why, it says of Jesus that he not only loved and cared, he spoke, he taught. He taught people what they needed to know. This is in Matthew 4 in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse 23, Now Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. His compassion found expression in speaking. Speaking what? The truth, the good news of salvation from God through Christ to the people who were living in sin. Maybe we need to be reminded that Christianity is a taught religion. Jesus said they shall all be taught in John 6.44. He went on to say, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Christianity is a taught religion, not fought, bought, or caught, but taught. It begins with caring, and then there must be teaching of the good news. Have you ever told someone they need to repent? Now, I'm not talking about getting on to folks because you don't like what they're doing or responding to some offense or anything like that involving anger and personal revenge. I'm talking about using the Bible to identify someone's behavior, then based on the biblical teaching to admonish or challenge someone to repent. Generally, we are afraid someone will get mad at us, so we walk all around what needs to be said. 
Yet, when you look at Jesus and Paul and the prophets, they spoke the truth of God and stormed the will of sinners, telling them to repent. It was for their good. Our compassion should lead us to actually teach people, read the Bible to them and with them. It is not always easy work. I know with some people there is a hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they just drink it all in. But with others, perhaps with most people, there is a struggle, there is a debate, there is ignorance to be destroyed and sin to be rebuked, but then truth to be received for the saving of the soul. I'm saying if we will find the compassion for the sinner that Jesus had, and then teach about Jesus and what Jesus said, people can be saved. Our compassion and love will not save sinners until there's teaching. You invite people to listen to the live streams that we provide or the recordings on this website. And you talk to people about reading their Bible and discuss the teaching that is there. Action is necessary. Words need to be used. Read your daily Bible reading assignment with someone. Direct someone to a good Bible class, perhaps a video format online. Begin a Bible class in your home with both spiritual and physical safety considered. We need to start these conversations from our compassion and then let people hear the gospel. We've been given that assignment. Number three, Jesus invited sinners. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Compassion caused him to reach out to the lost and teach them. But you will also see in him the challenge to act, the invitation to come to him. In our case, we must invite people we have taught to respond. We must let these words come out when we are teaching our friends. Will you come to Jesus? Will you repent and be baptized? The personal invitation to obey the gospel must find its place in our personal efforts to reach people. All of us have dealt with salesmen, and I'm not about to use the typical sales pitch as our model, but there is one thing. There is one thing you'll see in a good salesman that illustrates a good thing we need to do. A good salesman will always try to close the deal. He will show why you need the product. He will demonstrate the economy of it, the value of it. But along the way, you'll hear the good salesman say, are you interested? And at the end of the call, the presentation, there will be an attempt to close the sale. Just write me a check or sign here. Hand me your credit card for a minute and this fine product will be yours. I think sometimes we just leave people hanging. We act out of compassion, we present the good news, but we never make an effort to close the deal. We never invite them. 
to be baptized. We present the truth and go home. We bring them to the services, take them out to eat, and talk about something else. We send an email link, but no follow-up. I've made this mistake conducting home Bible studies. Then at the end of 45 minutes, I say, see you next week, when I ought to say, are you ready to obey the gospel? The invitation is really where everything should be headed. The invitation expresses our compassion and fulfills the requirement of the teaching we've given. Come to him, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Peter said on Pentecost, repent and be baptized, then continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We cannot just leave people hanging. We must try to close the sale, if I may use that illustration. Perhaps most of us look back in our past with a sense of some shame that we let opportunities slip. We didn't mention the Lord to people who needed him. We haven't taken this challenge seriously of evangelism. We have not only failed to close the sale, we didn't even introduce the product. We can repent of our past neglect. We can start over again. We can talk to people this week. What is the worst that can happen? What is the best? I know this. I know this. If your neighbor's house was on fire, you would make it your business. If your friend had a disease and you had the remedy, there would be no hesitation. Well, spiritually and morally, your neighbor's house is on fire, and your friends are spiritually ill. And we have the remedy. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you for listening.